You're listening to the Lead 'em Up Podcast, powered by Chick-fil-A. Hey, thank you for hanging with us today. I'm Adam of Lead 'em Up, alongside, as always, Kyle Elmendorf of the Lead 'em Up team based down in Florida here. And today we've got a special guest, Kyle, a good friend of mine that lives here in the Maryland area, a business owner and author. Uh, Andrew Simpson, he owns, from a business perspective, PFP, Players Fitness and Performance, and author of now his second book, which is coming out, um, and at the time of this release, it will have already been out, uh, Athlete, I'm Talking to You, and we're obviously going to dig into that, but Andrew, man, thanks for, for joining us today. I'm excited to connect, man. Thanks for having me. You know, there's so many different areas that we can go down. And obviously, we're going to spend a lot of time on the, the book. But Kyle, you haven't been to Andrew's facility before. OK, no. on paper, it's a gym on paper. In reality, oh, it is so much more. Holy smokes. It is. You know, I've, I've talked many times on air about PGC basketball and the culture that they have within their uh, organization and just everyone that's in it just has this energy and this spirit and this desire and bigger purpose. PFP is the closest thing I've seen outside of PGC to PGC. It's unbelievable. Wow. And, and you step in there and you're greeted at the door and you've got this energy at the door where people like greet you and you, you go in and they've got all this inspiration on the walls and everyone's like high level, their energy, their spirit, their passion. You know, a lot of times people may think lead them up brings that you go into a PFP and lead them up just is kind of on par with what they're already doing. Right. That's just how they live. Andrew, I got to ask you. Why, just from an organization standpoint, you clearly have done tremendous work from a culture standpoint. Why? Like, why have you identified this being so key that this environment within PFP has to be at such a high level? Why is that so important to you? Well, before I go there, you didn't give yourself enough credit because Lead Em Up came in and you add some fuel to the fire, brother. I mean, you <laughs> you don't just come in and be on par with us. You added fuel to the fire. We needed you, man. So, um why? So I think it's the boring things that oftentimes in business, and I've been tempted to go there too, or it's the boring, monotonous things that don't seem as flashy that are the very things that lead to a thriving culture and a thriving organization. And years ago, I heard Patrick Lencioni talk about organizational health, organizational health, something that probably doesn't get most entrepreneurs, business owners excited. But when I heard it, I leaned in and I started listening and just found that when you really take care of the team and when you prioritize the team, then the, the customers are going to be taken care of. And so we've we've done our best to follow that model. We're not perfect, but we've definitely done our best to try to take care of the team, keep the culture high, keep the energy high so that people want to come to our gym. Right. When when you have a great culture and great energy like you were talking about, you don't have to worry about getting people in the doors. People are attracted to that. Mm. That's and really what it comes down to for us. And, and give us just some of your, I don't know, all the specific missions and values that you all kind of have built PFP, but what are some of the overarching phrases and mission statements and such that you all live and operate by? Yeah, so the mission is simple. It's be the best part of someone's day. Every single day, be the best part of someone's day. That's the mission. 
our values that fuel that. Uh, bring the joy. That's going to be the first one. It's the first one people think of when they come into PFP, but our first core value is bring the joy. Uh, another one is stewardship. Um, act like it's yours. Treat it better than when you found it. Um, another core value of ours is every detail matters. We pursue excellence in all things. And so we've only got five. We follow a very simple model called EOS, uh, Entrepreneur Operating System, and it basically keeps things simple, man. Five core values, uh, mission statements be the best part of someone's day. And the vision, which precedes all of it, really is generational transformation. We want to see families, kids, parents transformed by getting them results, building deep-rooted relationships, and obviously creating that transformation in their lives. So how much work does it take to create that environment? What are some intentional things you do regularly to kind of stimulate? What's some of the rhythms throughout the day, throughout the week that you all engage in to really unleash it? Because you can have all that stuff written on paper. You know it. You can have it on the walls, but it's about bringing it to life, living it daily. How does that get brought to life within the rhythms of PFP? So outside of bringing lead them up in, the next thing, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the next thing you do, uh, honestly, for us, man, again, it doesn't sound like anything flashy. It's a it's a healthy and cohesive leadership team, a healthy and cohesive leadership team that is aligned where there's trust, where there's conflict. Um, we work hard and we're intentional with our weekly leadership team meeting, our quarterly offsite meetings as a group, and. Uh, and I think that, and, and then a, all, a weekly all hands meeting where people are heard. I'll tell you the best thing that's happened to our culture in the last two years was we brought on a leader that was better than I am. And he has worked diligently to create a culture where the frontline team members are heard, their opinions are valued. Uh, they don't just get told what to do all the time. They're, it's a leader leader model, right? Where questions are asked and, and we try to find the best idea, the best idea wins. And so that's really been over the last couple of years that our culture, I think, has gotten even stronger through that. Mm. Good stuff. Andrew, Andrew, I love bring the joy as one of your core values. And I'm interested in how, you know, that comes to fruition. It's, it's you know, an easy thing to say is bring the joy, but I'm assuming early on as you're getting established, people are looking at that as maybe just a statement. What do you do to help encourage your, your team members to bring that joy? And what does it really look like to, to live that out every day at your facility? Yeah, we didn't have the words bring the joy for this core value until about two years ago, actually. We didn't have the words for it. And it, this core value has been it's been modeled from the top down from the beginning. And joy for us, it's not circumstantial. It's not happiness. It's, hey, no matter what's going on, whether we're having a down month and uh, we're not hitting our numbers or uh, something's going on in our personal lives, it's that belief that you can still find the good in whatever's going on. And so it's not a fake it till you make it, um, you know, leave all your problems at home type thing and come in and serve the customer. We've tried to avoid that as much as possible because that's not real. Um, it's, it's no, it's, it's, I'm genuinely like grateful right now, even though things aren't great. And so our leaders since the beginning, really, they've modeled that we had a guy on our team that, uh, tore his ACL, MCL and meniscus, and he was a coach. And so that's what he did. And he showed up at the gym every single day. And he was the most on fire, energetic person out of anybody. And so story after story like that, when, when a leader, uh, had a, uh, unfortunate situation in their their family where somebody passed away and they still come in and they show up for their team 
and they love on people. And so bring the joy. It's not just about, you know, just rah, rah, high energy. Let's go team. It's not that it's a genuine from the inside out. Um, I can find things that are going to um, lift me up, even if I'm feeling down. So good, man. So good. Yeah. And I love that line that you said, essentially, we want people that are grateful, even when things aren't great. Right. That's Even right. when things aren't great, because they've just trained themselves. They've just kind of uh, created a habit of looking for the good, finding the good. And there's always good to be had. It's always a That's perspective right, shift away. There's always perspective shift. All right. Let's talk about this book, Andrew. I've got it in my hand right here. Signed copy, by the way, not to flex on anybody. I'm just saying. Um, and, Athlete, I'm talking to you. First off, you make no bones about who this book is for, right? Um, everyone's always trying to find a gimmicky, catchy little title, and you're just like, screw it. I'm just going to say, hey, athlete, I'm talking to you. I mean, you might, next round is just going to be athlete, buy this book today, right? <laughs> First off, side note, unrelated to really where we're going, but where'd the title come from? Like, why keep it so simple? Why not overthink it? Uh, a mentor of mine, actually, that wasn't in it with me. He was able to see things from above and I was spitting around title ideas, trying to be, again, trying to be catchy, trying to rhyme, whatever. And he was just like, your first book was talking to coaches and parents. He said, this book, you're talking to the athlete. He said, uh, this book, you're talking to the athlete. Athlete, I'm talking to you. Simple. Right. I mean, what's that? Keep it simple, stupid. Right. Like yeah, the, the kiss like method. Right. Sometimes we overthink it. So athlete, I'm talking to you. Take back control. Seven mindset hacks to dominate in sports and life. Before we get into just some of the nuance uh, and different things you talk about in the book. Where does this inspiration to write this specific book and to address the mindset of young people? Where does that originate mm -hmm. from? So the, actually, before we leave from the title, even the title, it's funny because right in the introduction, I say the title was meant to get your attention. That's it. You're more than just an athlete. Let's start there. And it's kind of interesting because the whole theme throughout the book is helping a young man or woman to, to differentiate between their position and their value as a person. And so that's the, the first shift that we try to make in the book. But the inspiration came last year, man, when, well, we've always been in the mindset game. That's our, our different differentiator at our gym is, uh, is we actually deliver mindset training for the athletes in addition to the physical performance training, because we know how important it is. Uh, but last year, 2022, I don't know if you remember, man, but there was about a, a two month window where six college athletes uh, took their own lives six college athletes. And it's something that's been going on for years because of the pressure, uh, because of the expectations, it, it getting heavy, not being able to deal with it. But last year when this happened, we had some organizations, mental health organizations reach out to us and say, hey, are you guys gonna do something about this? I was like, I guess this is definitely in our lane. Maybe, we, maybe we're called to respond to this. And so we held this huge event at PFP back in July of 2022 called Take Back Control. And I'll get to what that means in a second. But we had over, we only marketed it for three weeks and we barely, you know, barely had enough time to get anything set up for it. And we had over 200 athletes, college athletes, high school athletes, even middle school athletes from around the tri-state area come into PFP to learn how to take back control of their mindset because they felt like they had lost control. And here's where it came from. 
my first book was written to coaches and parents to address the problems in the youth sports industry. You familiar with them? Couple, couple problems in the youth sports industry. Yeah. No, no, no. Just never experienced it. No, I've never experienced it. Kidding. I mean, parents fist fighting at sports games, overzealous coaches, kids anxious. I mean, you name it. Uh, kids getting home at 11 p.m. at night every night of the week because they're practicing and they can't keep up with grades, like all these problems in youth sports. Well, this book, what was on my heart and what was placed on my heart was, what if coaches don't change? What if parents don't recognize they're putting pressure on their kids? What if kids continue to get injured and all these things that set people, set kids back mentally? What if all of that stuff out there doesn't change? Can we still empower and equip the middle school, the high school, definitely the college age student athlete with the skills they need, with the mental skills they need to take back control and navigate things no matter what? We talked in the beginning about perspective shifts. Well, how do you actually help an athlete who just suffered a season ending injury make that shift from it's over to it's just beginning? to this is catastrophic, to this is going to be catalytic for me. And it's these tools and these simple tricks and tips and, and hacks, I call them in the book, on how you can actually start to take a young man or woman and uh, help them to be empowered through their challenges instead of disempowered or uh, knocked down. Yeah, Andrew, one of the things you just said there was going from catastrophic to catalytic. And looking at, at the notes here, you have a chapter on taking back control. So how important is that to the athletes overall well-being, their mental health? And what's the biggest thing that you think they need to be able to take back control of in order to have that health? Yeah, what we find is that most kids do not have even a basic understanding of how their own psychology works. Not even a basic understanding of event happens, information comes in, my brain perceives it, and then it spits out a meaning. What does this mean to me? And that meaning, whatever things mean to you, is going to determine how you feel in that moment, and then how you feel is going to determine the actions you take next. But that meaning is also a default meaning that is based on past conditioning. All We're not going to go too deep into that, but what, what do things mean to me taking back control? And so that chapter, um, you know, when I mentioned, is this catastrophic or is this catalytic? That's already going to be a predetermined response that this kid's going to go through in their brain when an event happens. And so, uh, for example, we had a group of college female athletes that went away their freshman year and they just got crushed, not physically. They got crushed mentally and emotionally by their coach. The coach that recruited them wasn't the same coach that... <laughs> that coach them. You know what I mean? Like it was the same coach, but kind of a different person. And so these girls, these coaches, and man, I've heard a lot of, a lot of horror stories, but these coaches were some of the worst that i had ever heard. I mean, these coaches would look at these girls and tell them they were worthless. They would tell them they don't belong at D one. What are you even doing here still? I mean, you know, and, and when your coach, who's the one person in your life that you think is going to be there to lift you up when your coach is beating you down, you can start to come up with some pretty disempowering meanings in your head, right? Maybe this means I don't belong at D1. Maybe this means I am worthless. Maybe this means that I wasted all of those years preparing for this and now it's over. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And so these girls went through a really rough time and in their minds, all it meant was they wasted their time. They're worthless. Maybe their coach is right and they're not going to be able to have the experience that they wanted to have. So again, all these meanings are going through their mind. 
And so I sat down with them when they, when they came back for their summer break after their freshman year and the look on their faces was just, Oh my gosh, like they looked like they got beat up pretty bad. And I said, girls, what happened? And that's when they went around the table and they're all crying and they're all sharing their stories. I'm just sitting in here with a group of college girls. They're all just bawling to me, just sharing their hearts. And uh, afterwards, man, I said, I'm really sorry that you had this experience, girls. I really am because you did not expect it to be like this. I'm so sorry, but I'm the most sorry right now that you haven't found a way to be genuinely grateful for this experience and for your coaches. Mm. And, and that's no, they, they, they weren't expecting that. No. They weren't expecting it at all. It definitely broke their broke their pattern um, of focus. But then they looked at me and they kind of looked like they wanted to fight me for a second, right? Like grateful? Like, what do you mean grateful? Maybe hateful, but I don't know about grateful, Andrew. And uh, I said, that's when I got really serious with them. I said, yeah, it's because of these coaches that next year, if you stick around and you find something empowering through this, you're never going to let one of those other freshmen experience that. You're going to be there to build them up. It's because of those coaches that you've got the opportunity to grow into a better version of yourself. It's because of those coaches that someday when you're a coach, you're never going to treat your players this way. And I just went on and on and all these little subtle shifts, right? These little perspective shifters and three of the girls, man, three of the girls sat up really tall and they were like, we know what we got to do. It's time to stop talking about the past, stop complaining about the past. It's time to take back control and start planning out how we're going to make this off season great and how we're going to make next season even better. And that's the choice that they made. But one of the girls, man, this other girl, she had parents and friends from high school and all these people saying, yeah, you're right, man. Your coach is awful. You deserve to be mad. You deserve to be frustrated. You deserve to be upset, man. I can't believe them. And it was a whole bunch of blaming and fueling the fire. And so this girl, that's kind of addicting. And so this girl, she decided to go with that. She didn't want to take back control. She didn't want to do the hard work. And as a result, I got a lot of phone calls from that girl over the next season. She was depressed. She was anxious. And uh, I tried to help her through it as best as I could. But man, sometimes, sometimes what is, sometimes like you can do something and it's, it's valid, right? Like complaining about your coaches, pointing the finger, blaming it's valid, but it's extraordinarily unhelpful at the same time. Mm. And, uh, and, and that's what this girl was doing, man. She was her, She was justified, man. She really was like, these coaches were really bad, but it wasn't helping her move forward. And, and that's all about taking back control. And I'm so glad you went there. Cause I was literally going to have us go there. There's a, there's people maybe listening. It's like, so are you just going to ignore all the negative? Are you just going to completely discredit all the negative? Are you saying, Andrew, like they shouldn't even be like processing all the negative stuff that they just went through? And, and it's not like that. It's not, it's not like that. It, it, it's getting to the point where you have to recognize what value is that serving? That's right. What value is it serving? Right. Like to just keep rehashing and keep resonating and living and dwelling over it. Yes, it happened. Yes, it was unfortunate. Yes, it is unhealthy. All that, right? But but like, is it benefiting you any further, moving further by continuing to live in it? So I'm glad you brought that up, man. Because I think someone could be listening to that like, well, Andrew, I mean, wouldn't it have been better to empathize with them? Mm -hmm. Right? Like, and just kind of say, yeah, you guys are right. You know? And so- Speak on that a little bit more because where you just said it's valid, but not necessarily unhealthy, how you manage those two dynamics. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I had I had empathized with these girls for the last three, four years, right? I had built the relationship. I had built the rapport. I wasn't just somebody coming in telling them how they should feel. And I didn't actually, I left some pieces out, right? I, I asked questions, right? Like, how much longer do you girls want to continue to stay stuck in this? How much longer do you want your coach to continue to affect you like this? And then sit and listen. Because I think one thing that we know for sure from just doing thousands of these sessions with athletes and mindset training is, is most kids nowadays, uh, they haven't had to use their constructive thinking muscles in a long time. They get told how to think, told what to do. Hey, you should get over this. Hey, you should think this way. And so we've tried to be really intentional. And I think that it's such an important thing for coaches and parents nowadays to ask questions rather than give answers. Mm. Um, and so I think that's a really important piece of this too, is you know how, how much longer do you need to stay stuck on this in order to feel good about it? And so that's part of the equation for sure. Hey guys, this is Kayla from Chick-fil-A and this is today's Leadership Nugget. They say that you are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So the question is, is your circle forcing you to level up? I often remind my team that they are responsible for who they allow to influence their life. Are those people contributing to their success or are they holding them back? Great leaders know when and how to edit their circle because you see, as the leader changes, the circle has to change. It doesn't mean that you're cutting people out of your life completely, but you're limiting the amount of time that you spend with them and how much influence you give them over your habits and your commitments. So my challenge for you today is that as you continue to fight for personal growth, commit to selecting the right people to influence your habits and match your hustle. Surround yourself only with people that force you to level up. Now let's jump back to the episode. So Andrew, I, I tell you, one thing I really love about the setup and structure of your book is, I mean, it's a book that is clearly written to the athlete, as we've already alluded to, but I say that in the sense of like, just in a way that's going to be easy for them to comprehend and, and absorb. And we're huge on that at Lead Them Up. We always want to speak in language that we call sticky, that can stick to the minds and hearts of our athletes and players. You know, but I mean, little things like you talk about over and under, right? Overreaction, underreaction. And, and really, I love that because there's a connection over and under in like sports world, like from a waging standpoint, not to get into a sports betting conversation, but over under, right? It's a common phrase <laughs> yeah. that's brought up, disempowering versus empowering. But in the book, you, you talk a lot about, it's almost a book slash workbook throughout, right? Mm -hmm. you, you have numerous parts in there where you ask the athlete to pause and reflect. You give them space to actually write in the book, to actually list out things. Before I get to my, my next question, let me just ask you really quick. What was the thought process there to actually make it more of an intentional workbook versus just a traditional kind of literature based reading book? Mm -hmm. So there actually is now an accompanying workbook that goes with it. Even so more. That's a whole, okay. It, yeah, exactly. A whole workbook to, to write out these things. Man, I don't even know how I can give this uh, the power that it needs because the art of writing out, going introspective, thinking about your life and writing down answers on paper, it is something that I've watched over. I, I've prioritized this with my team for eight years, right? What does success mean to you? Don't just think about it, write it down on paper. Uh, what legacy do you want to leave in sports? Don't just think about it, write it down on paper. Uh, how have you responded to adversity in the past? Don't just think about it, write it down on paper. On and on and on, all these important questions where you're making pre-decisions, 
you're reflecting, but then you're making pre-decisions about how you'll respond in the future. Uh, if you don't write it down and all you're doing is absorbing knowledge, I don't know the exact statistics, but man, I think that it's something like 80% of what you just learned within like two weeks, you're not going to have any of it anymore. Uh, and so when you write things down, though, it does become so much more sticky. And uh, sports, let's face it, sports are only going to become a bigger and bigger part of kids' lives. As we throw more money at them, as we throw more time at them, it's only going to become a more important part of their lives. And so just as uh, a business owner or a leader or for a parent, your family becomes a big part of your life, your business becomes a big part of your life, we know you got to get out and you got to get above things. You got to get above the forest to look down and see like, where am I at? Am I still heading in the right direction? Am I still going towards the destination that I want? And the only way to do that is if you've written down things in advance about where you want to go. I don't know about you, man, but I've got way too much stuff floating around in my mind nowadays, way too many distractions going on up there. Like if I don't have it down and to free a kid from some of their anxiety and for things to that are once in their heads, right? All this pressure about sports. I don't want to screw up in my next game. I don't want to miss. And they put it on paper and see how small it is and how silly it really looks they start to feel more empowered. They start to feel more in control. And so I could talk for days about the power of writing exercises and introspective thinking, but I think you're, I think you're on board of that, right? Yeah, no, it makes, it makes sense. And, you know, you know, you talked to obviously all throughout the, the book, take back control, certainly one of the big themes there and your chapters kind of all throughout or take back control. And then it's different areas, right. Uh, of your actions and responses, and then take back control of measuring your progress how about this one? Take back control, which is one of the chapters here of who and what you let in. Hmm. Speak on that for a moment, because I don't know where you're going to go with it specifically, but I can tell you, Kyle and I, we're, we're, we talk about this a lot. I mean, in the same way that you have to be conscious of what you take in from a nutrition standpoint, what you fuel hmm. yourself. I don't think young people are nearly as intentional as they should be managing and monitoring the influences, the noises, the voices that are going into their head, whether self-driven or externally driven. I don't think it, they, they think much of it, but right. boy, it is a superpower, right? You can really take control of what is going into your head. Speak on that theme within the book for you. Yeah. So this one was, uh, it came from the concept of, you know, if I were to wrap up a gift, Adam, and go to give you that gift and you refuse the gift, then to whom does that gift still belong? Me. Oh, correct. Right? Still yep. belongs to me. Yep. You, you didn't accept it. And so in that same way, if a parent intentionally or unintentionally, probably unintentionally, or a coach goes to hand this athlete the gift of more pressure, right? Through an expectation or through, hey, I really need you to step up and, and make this happen today. And they accept that gift of more pressure, they're gonna feel tense. But I, I think empowering them to say, hey, you know what? I'm gonna go out there and give it my all, but this gift of pressure, I'm gonna leave that for you. Like, I don't, I'm not gonna accept that. So that's kind of like the, the analogy around it. That's powerful. Now, yeah, it's 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 it definitely brings some power back. It gives you some power back. But then as it as it relates to these athletes and our life, I mean, it relates to adults too. our whole lives. We've been either accepting compliments 
and maybe letting it inflate us too much, or we've been accepting criticisms and letting us not letting it knock us down too much. Uh, and when that happens, it can really start to mess with us when how how we respond to winning or how we respond to losing. I've got this girl, man, right now. She is one of the top softball players in the country. And I've been doing mindset training with her for, for about two years now. And she's absolutely crushing it. She's just destroying it. And this girl is so chill. She has not let the highs get her too high. She does not let the lows get her too low. After her last game where people were like, you are an animal. I mean, you are killing it. You're incredible. It's so funny because almost like, like a, a robot, she's basically like, hey, thanks, but it's all temporary. Hey, thanks, mm. but it's all temporary. So these accomplishments and these incredible things I'm doing, they don't define me as a person. And it's like you say it sometimes to your athletes or maybe your athletes even say it, but to actually feel it and to live it out is a whole different ball game. Uh, but in the same way that she doesn't let these compliments and shouting her out for the home runs and shouting her out for all the highs, like she doesn't let those things get her up too, too high. She also, when she strikes out or when she has not just one bad at bat, man, like she could have two bad games in a row and she still has perspective. Two bad games in a row. She's like, it's all temporary. I'm still on track for my 90 day goals. I'm still on track for my uh, legacy that I'm trying to leave, which is a, a big four year legacy that she's working on. It's like two bad games, no big deal. And so this is all about just who, who and what you let into your mind. Input equals output. Oh. Andrew, I, I lo I'm loving this. I got a full page of notes here already. Definitely going to get a copy of the book. I'm really interested um, because I think for a lot of our young athletes that we work with too, they want to see the results, right? They want to know how they're achieving that success. So I haven't had a chance to read the book yet, but I'm really interested if you could just give a Snapchat, you know, snapshot here, how they take back control of measuring success. What does that look mm -hmm. like? And how do you really reward them with that? Yeah, we live in a culture, I believe today, where uh, it says never be satisfied, right? Never be satisfied, keep striving for more. And it sounds good on the outside, but what does a life where you're never satisfied with your performance look like? I mean, you get to the end of your career and you were literally never satisfied. You think you're just going to show up at the end of your career and all of a sudden be satisfied. So how do you find those moments of satisfaction throughout the way or throughout the journey? And we talk about looking back and and looking forward. And so we, we draw out this framework. It's in the book, but imagine there's a circle right in the middle and it says where you are today. And then there's a triangle or a circle that's out in front called your bigger and better ideal future, right? Where you're headed. And there's a gap between your bigger, between where you are today and your bigger and better ideal future. And most athletes, most people just, well, most high achievers, people, quote unquote, high performers, they live in that gap, right? They're always focused on how far they fall short. And for some people, it motivates them, but that's really the only decent feeling that you get from focusing on the gap, right? Just motivation. The rest of it is, I feel discontent. I feel dissatisfied. I feel overwhelmed. How am I ever going to achieve that bigger and better ideal future? And so they live in that gap. Well, there's, a, there's another circle to the left of the circle in the middle, which is where you started. And that circle represents where you were, mm -hmm. right? Where right. you were. So the circle in the middle is where you are today, rather. And the circle to the left is where you were. And the gap between that circle and the middle circle is how far you've come. 
And so what I always have athletes do, and man, this is fascinating how, how difficult this exercise is for athletes. I have them list out what are the five things in your life you're most proud of? And it's like, it's like pulling teeth to get them to recognize things that they're proud of in their life because they're only focused on how, the, how far they fall short. I don't know if you have kids or if you have athletes. That, I know you guys have athletes you work with, but like, just ask them at some point, like, what are you proud of in your life that you've accomplished? And it's like, they'll be able to tell you like the really huge athletic accomplishments, but then all of the other things, it's going to be, it's going to take them a while. They'll be able to do it, but it'll take them a while. So we have them do that. And then we have them say in the past season of sports, what are five things that you've done well, five wins, five highlights, uh, five ways you made progress. Give me five things. And again, man, it takes them a while to come up with some things that they're proud of themselves for. And then it's last week in the past week. Can you find five things that went well? And so we go through this process, even down to the day. And after they're done, you should see how they're sitting up in their seat taller. They're feeling good about themselves. They're feeling proud. They're not like, we're not going to say, hey, you're good, man. You did all that stuff in the past. Don't worry about the future. Like you don't got to work, work hard towards the future. It's like, that's not what it's about. It's getting them into this posture of, I have accomplished a lot. I have overcome hard things. I can do this. And then they look back at those future goals and they're like, okay, I can make progress towards that today. But man, we just live in a, a society where we are discontented all the time. It, it's never enough. More is better. It's, and that's just not going to help your athlete, especially the adolescent, right? Teenager. It's not going to help them be in the state of mind where they can perform at their best. So taking back control of how you measure success, it starts with figuring out where you've made progress and getting yeah. in the habit of that. That's powerful. I love that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I have so many thoughts as you were talking there, Andrew, you know, I think about, you know, we have an exercise and lead them up called me, we, you, Yeah. right. Where they take yeah. a moment, they have to celebrate something they're proud of that they have done. That's the me, something they're proud of that the nice. group has done. That's the we, and then something they're proud of that a teammate has done. That's the you, right. And we want our teams to engage in that me, we, you frequently. And I remember one of my mentors once said, we got, almost to the same point you just made that like players are really going to struggle in the beginning, being able to find things they're proud of. Mm -hmm. And, and you, it'll ultimately go from a place of you'll ask them, you'll say, Hey, tell me something you're proud of. And they'll have to say, uh, let me think on it. And then they'll have to think on it, but you want to get it to a place where when you ask them, Hey, tell me something you're proud of that. They say, where do I begin? Where do I begin? I love that. Like, cause, cause they've now kind of conditioned their mind to, in your point, your language, take back control of, of how they view progress and they find the good things throughout their time. And, you know, the discontentment, I, I love you shifted my, and, and kind of clarified some additional vision for me about just, you're right. Players are, they're constantly being judged and graded on their shortcomings, Right. The, the society is always saying it's got to be better. You got to keep moving forward. And it, there's almost this lack of like, how could I ever be proud of anything I've done? Right. Mm -hmm. I'm always supposed to be striving for more and nothing's ever good enough. There's always another level. Right. People are always calling out my critiques and, and it's really unhealthy. I don't know if you remember uh, there was that famous quote uh, from John D. Rockefeller. Right. When asked, obviously, wealthy, wealthy businessman was asked how much is enough money. And do you know where I'm going with this? Do you know the answer, right? He said, so, yeah. <laughs> he says just a little bit more. 
Okay. <laughs> right. Wealthiest businessman in his time and his generation. How much is enough money? Just a little bit more. What they also, though, forget to talk about often, and his author in the autobiography wrote, right? Rockefeller ser- suffered from serious fatigue and depression the entire later stages of his life. Wealthiest businessman, because it was never enough. He could right. never recognize the progress that he had made. He was mm-hmm. never able to find moments of kind of value within himself because it was never enough. Mm-hmm. And being able to have that balance between the pers- introspective that, hey, I am doing a great job while also recognizing I, I want to keep growing, managing mm-hmm. that in a healthier way. If you can take back control of that, and if that chapter can help kids do that, man, that book is worth the price alone. It is so, so key. So, so key. I'm curious, man. I'm curious if you guys do anything on this through lead them up, but something that I'm like working to shift right now is like, give me some personal wins. Give me some, give me some wins from your life outside of sports that, you know, what's going on in your life outside of sports. It's so hard for them to come up with anything. I don't know if it's good or bad or indifferent, but it's like getting them to think in through the lens of like, I, I grew mentally through this challenge or I grew emotionally through this opportunity. Do you guys have anything through lead them up where you're like getting kids to even shift the narrative of like, Hey, sports are one of your eight lanes in life. All right. If they imagine like a swimming analogy or a track analogy, like it's like one lane, one of eight lanes. What about all these other seven lanes in life? Do you guys do anything like that? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we touch on it in a variety of different ways. Obviously the me, we, you, when we do that, we actually say it's personal or quote unquote cool. athletic, right? So we we're saying, Hey, this does not have to be a sport related. Find something you're proud of. A lot of times they'll say grades or they'll say like scores on tests or, you know, uh, they help the parent out or they participate in a mulch sales. So they'll like they'll sometimes bring those in. But but I think to your point there, we're trying to communicate this message, which falls in line that, you know, leadership is a lifestyle. OK, it is not something you turn on in sport and turn off when you're out of sport. Right. Because we're trying to really get players to recognize that like real growth is when we can live this stuff out and embody this in all areas of our life, because we are more than just who we are in season playing as an athlete. Right. Like this stuff. Right. When you really lean into the green, when you really become green, it is instilled in you, firmly established and lives with you always because it's designed to help you in all things. So. It's part of the messaging. Do I have, do we have an exact exercise that really unleashes the at home? Not necessarily, but you know, we're very clear that this green is not a switch. It's, it's who mm-hmm. we are in all areas of our life. And that's also why we say our curriculum is built on an MPS filter, memorable, portable, and sticky, right? Or can mm-hmm. we teach and explain it in ways that are memorable for the athletes that they remember the experience of going through lead them up? P is portable. We want to teach lessons and concepts that are portable, that'll help them on field, on court, but also in home, at work, in social circles, in classrooms, et cetera. And then we end with sticky, using phrases and concepts to stick to the hearts. So we're right aligned with that, Andrew. It's it's this holistic person. And when you mm-hmm. get that right, oh, everything gets better. Right. Yeah. It's so apparent through the stuff you guys teach, too. Sugar and salt, one of my favorites. Sugar and salt. There you go. <laughs> go. All right, Andrew, how can people find the book and tell more about the workbook that's now uh, available to accompany this? And I, I think it could be a great opportunity for coaches to go through it with their teams. 
Right. Yeah. So the book is going to be available on Amazon February 28th, which will be, it'll be available once this comes out. Uh, but if they go to my website first, they'll get three mindset bonuses. So they'll get uh, a mindset diagnostic tool. It's an assessment tool for athletes for mindset that also gives them some action steps on what to do afterwards. Uh, they'll get the mindset hack tip sheet and just a couple other good bonuses. And so if they go to andrewjsimpson.com forward slash athlete dash book, andrewjsimpson.com forward slash athlete dash book, they can go there and enter their name and they'll get their bonuses there. And then they'll get the book from Amazon ultimately. The winning athlete formula. I like that That's language. Right. I like that language. Don't get confused with the Irish actor, Andrew Gerard Simpson. I don't know if you've ever Googled yourself, Andrew, but <laughs> no, he's an actor no, from Northern Ireland. Yeah, well, listen, <laughs> he's from UK. He's got you beat on the SEO right now. So got it. Like, I, don't right. want, I don't want people work to get up. Yeah, work on that, please. Can you take this book <laughs> to Hollywood, please? I was going to say a couple more books. So I'll get that. That's good. <laughs> Andrew, <laughs> hey, man, you are the best, man. I, uh, I've been so thankful personally um, to have connect with you at a deeper level here over the last six months, really. You know, we've talked about this many times now. Uh, you're someone that was, we were constantly crossing paths. People were always saying, you need to connect with them. And, and Andrew, and we just never did. And then we finally sat down and, and connected. And now, I mean, we're over here. You're on the podcast, doing lead them up with PFP staff. You're also um, contributing from a sponsorship standpoint where you're going to be providing lead them up to three schools in our market, uh, full all uh, rollout there of Liberty High School, uh, South Carroll High School, and then later in the summer, Century High School, three mm -hmm. schools. And, and all those student athletes are going to be able to experience a day of training with you and I um, and in the curriculum ongoing who knows what type of impact that'll generate but you're leaving your mark man you're you're reaching tons and tons of young people and i'm excited to watch you just continue to grow and flourish in the gifts really that you've been given so andrew great job man appreciate you coming on well we're equally as excited to partner with you man because these kids they are our future right if you want to know what our future looks like it's elementary middle high school kids and the work that you guys are doing we just feel so much synergy with lead them up with and dude, it just blows my mind some of the stuff you guys do with kids and how they get engaged with this content. And so I can't wait for Liberty, Liberty, South Carol and Century and more to come after that, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, let's go, man. Appreciate it, bud. All right. As always, Adam, alongside Kyle, we appreciate you listening. Have fun and lead them up.